What up, what up, what up, what up? Hey, hey, you fucking cowards. How's life? Uh, life is life. is life. It continues. Oh, okay. We'll yeah. get into that. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Real Nerd Hours, a podcast ostensibly about nerd stuff, including anime, movies, music, things of that nature. You know. Yeah. Uh, on this week's show, uh, Denzel, again, not a surprise, didn't go see Pacific Rim, hey. nor Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he did watch The Titan at work today. <laughs> and we've got uh, our interview with Wooly. Uh, there's not going to be like any bonus on the Patreon for that because I found out how to increase the playback speed of audio. And... Now I can edit like a fucking champ at two times speed. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. So that'll be coming up later in the show. Uh, Chet and I will first begin by bringing a little bit of heavyweight delicious into the show, uh, mainly because I have a question about a text message I received. Chet, do you know what the fuck a uh, calamansi lime is? Calamansi lime? No, I've never heard of this. Where is Calamon? All right, I've I've had to. I'm looking it up right now. We're hitting the Googles. Yeah, because I need to know what exactly Calamansi is. Is is that like a region? Is it a type of tree? It's apparently somewhere between a citrus and a kumquat. Oh, oh. so it's probably like a sweeter lime. Okay, interesting. Oh, uh, it's common in the Philippines. Huh. Huh. Yeah, Filipino lemonade. Huh. Sounds tasty. Yeah, highly fuck withable as it turns out. I'm with it. I'm with it 100%. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I'm I'm looking into um I'm I'm looking into brewing beer with fruits. Uh I don't have a base brew yet, but we'll get there. Anyway, moving forward. (laughs) Enough of that. If you if you want to hear more beer talk, get on the uh get on the Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash real nerd hours huzzah yeah <laughs> uh, so anyway let's let's go on to the important thing uh first firstly let's talk about what i watched it's called the titan it's a sci-fi movie on netflix so it was released on march 30th and it's produced by some random companies that i'd never heard of i mean i i had heard of a couple of them uh the movie overall not really much to talk about uh there's it's just not good (laughs) straight up and down it doesn't know what it wants to be is it like a love story about a man who gets turned into a fish essentially is it like the 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 sight of water What's that movie called? Oh, The Shape of Water? The Shape of Water. Is it supposed to be like The Shape of Water, but with like a man who's turned into a fish? Or like, what's it supposed to be? Nobody knows exactly what it's supposed to be. I have a lot of outstanding questions from the movie. We can talk about that some other time. That's not good. The interesting thing that I found about it was the way that it was produced. Uh, While I was watching the movie, I had noticed that it's fucking gorgeous. At least the landscapes Hmm. that they use are gorgeous. The interiors that they shoot in are gorgeous. And like overall, the the sets that they pick are pretty good looking sets. And as it turns out, that movie was filmed in the Canary Islands. Ah. So what I did was I looked up Canary Island film tax incentives. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And so, as it turns out, it doesn't have the budget listed for the movie, but they offer basically 35% back to 40% back if you spend a million plus dollars. Jeez. What that movie seems like it is, is a tax movie. Yeah. Somebody decided to make that movie, write it off as a loss, and just try to recoup some of that money through taxes or whatever. Yeah, basically the plot of the producers. Yeah, there we go. Or Uwe Boll's whole career. Yeah. Exactly. I can't remember how the German. Don't quote me on that. I yeah. don't know. But anyway, that was the most interesting part of the movie because I think the Canary Islands is a nice, beautiful place. Yeah. The movie was dog shit. Don't even watch <laughs> it. It's stupid. The story is stupid. And there are a lot of like weird sci fi questions. It does the same thing that Looper does when Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is talking to the older version of him and he's asking him questions about time travel and shit. Yeah. And, and Bruce Willis just responds, shut up. <laughs> I ain't explaining shit. Exactly. So there's a Spanish scientist in the movie, which there's a heavy influence from Spain in this movie, mainly because it was shot in Spain. Right. And I'm sure whatever country is offering them tax incentives said, hey, uh, this movie has to be co-produced with a Spanish company, yeah. which it was. And also, maybe make the Spaniards look really good by not having <laughs> them shoot an arm, two unarmed women and a child yeah, and I mean, a fish man. Let's, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Towards the beginning of the movie, the Spanish scientist is like, yo, like I'm reading through this book. How, like, how many people are going to die? Like, none of this sounds good. <laughs> and Sam Worthington, uh, Mr. B, modern day B movie himself. Yeah. He says, do you have kids? And the Spanish science is like, no. And he says, shut the fuck up or get the fuck out. <laughs> Continue, professor. And I was just like, geez, that's how they're going to answer those questions? Nice. Because the goal of the movie, ultimately, it's one of those fucking same old shit stories from sci-fi you yeah. get a dystopian future because like oh nuclear war and all the resources are running out on earth and we gotta escape to titan so rather than trying to like terraform titan they say fuck it we're gonna do genetic research instead huh so you're we're just gonna make humans that can live on titan Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. That's one way to do it, I guess. Yeah. It it seems like a very roundabout way, if you were to ask me. Because if you can genetically modify humans to live on Titan, why not genetically modify plants to grow in dusty-ass soil? Right. Or, like, even have humans run on less food and water if that's what's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> and you could maybe even learn a better desalination process for water. Yeah. What, like, like it, there's ways to make this work that don't involve going to what? Uh, Saturn's moon? Yes. Yeah. Jupiter's moon? It's one of the two. One of those. It's past the asteroid belt. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fucking far away. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're not astronomers here. Yeah. We're not astrologists. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> oh, Pisces. That's which planet is that? Is that is that Pluto? Is Pluto even a planet anymore? No. Oh, I am oh. definitely on the Pluto's not a planet gang. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite shows of all time, Psych. Every season, Gus would say, "You hear what happened to Pluto? It's messed up, right?" And it was right around the time that it happened, but it just carried on throughout seasons. That's good. It's beautiful. It was. <laughs> 
beautiful. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, the here's a spoiler for you: don't watch the movie. Period, because it's only gonna go into the pockets of the people who are like gaming whatever tax system <laughs> to like make money back from a loss or whatever the fuck, or fund their stupid art house movie that sucks anyway. Yeah, they get them up to Titan. They have the ability to send somebody up to Titan. Like okay. They, like, they have the capability to build a rocket, shoot somebody to Titan. But they don't have the ability to desalinate water. They don't have the ability to terraform. They don't have the ability... They they don't have the ability to genetically modify humans to make them smarter <laughs> in order to solve how to do the desalination or intergalactic travel or... Uh, terraform planets they don't have the, they have the technology to like kind of just guess at making people fishes yeah they really had to jump through a lot of really high hoops but like completely missed all of these lower easier goals yeah right like the movie could have been about somebody who became a fucking genius like the movie lucy with scarlett oh, yeah. johansson they could have made the movie like that about a guy who gets shot up by a bunch of drugs or whatever and becomes a genius and solves all the world's problems but yeah. ends up living on Titan anyway. I mean, they could have done it intergalactic style where it's like... A giant <laughs> robot stomping through some unnamed city while dudes in, like, foil suits dance around on the streets with construction hats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut for you losers out there. If you don't get it... Then you don't deserve to get that joke. <laughs> you, you, you didn't earn it. You, you missed the bus on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Oh, uh, Interstellar, you mean? Yes, Interstellar is what I meant. Yes. Uh, yeah, where it's kind of through happenstance that they make things work. You know, they just kind of got lucky on a long shot. You know, I, I was fine with how they ended up making that work. Yeah, I I thought the ending was stupid with all the doors and all the bookshelves and the oh, four yeah. dimensions I mean, and shit. Oh, how they... I can definitely say that it was a little stupid, but I'm also fine with them kind of stumbling on the solution because, like, they had tried multiple other things and none of those worked. Yeah. So, you know, give some form of hope, I guess. Yeah, that's and that's completely fair. The thing that this movie didn't do... Which is, I've discovered suddenly that this is something that I hate about some movies. But when they like fill in exposition with news footage or somebody explaining <laughs> how the world is, what they did really well in Interstellar was show you exactly how the world was. Yeah. In this movie, they just say, like, oh, well, the world's running out of resources. Humanity's going to die in 10 years. And then it cuts to a scene, like, maybe 10 or 15, or not 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes, maybe 5 or 10 minutes mm -hmm. at most uh, later, where everybody's sitting at a table eating, like, a luxurious-ass meal <laughs> and drinking a bunch of tequila and shit. And I was like, this isn't... This isn't showing me the scarcity in the world. Yeah. This is, and this isn't even like commentary on the privileged few that get to live like very luxurious lives and like, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But, yeah you know, it sounds uh, like, sounds, sounds pretty bad. Yeah. It's not a good movie at all. And I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes rating and it was like 17% or something like that. But I think. I think the movies on Netflix kind of get an unfair shake on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. 
it's not it's difficult to tell because the movie is definitely not 17 percent bad i would probably say somewhere around 30 percent would be fine <laughs> because it's not it's not good yeah but it's also not terrible right it's not the worst thing you've ever seen no it's i'm out of i would probably get it give it maybe three out of five brights three out of five brights okay yeah it's that's uh, all right Bright being the most enjoyable, bad, schlocky film that's come out recently. Yeah. Uh, and that's the barometer for every other film that's just a piece of shit schlock fest. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of schlock, Denzel still hasn't seen Pacific Rim, but I'm, I'm tired of waiting <laughs> yeah. on this because. <laughs> Fair enough. I can't blame you. I yeah. really can't. Yeah. I mean, we had to wait how long for The Last Jedi? <laughs> Oh God! How long <laughs> did you wait? That had to have been like a month or something. Yeah, it was. Right? It was probably at least a month. Oh man, I'm really bad at that. <laughs> it's fine. There's plenty of movies that I had every intention of seeing, but still haven't. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Blade Runner 2049. Oh, that one's that one's cool. You yeah, and I wanted that. to see it in theaters because I heard that it was like really cool visually, and that's gone. <laughs> yeah, man. So, so to completely hijack your issue, I need somebody to write in and explain to me how to like how to get like great TV quality mm. because I want to watch cool shit on TV, but I don't feel like I'm getting the most out of the experience when I watch a TV when I'm watching TV, and sometimes I walk through like a Best Buy or. It's some other fucking big box retailer store that's slowly killing communities in the United States of America. Uh, and I see the TVs that they have and like the crystal clear quality. I even bought one of those TVs. I bought one that I saw that was displaying like really well. And I was just like, oh, shit, I want that. And so I bought it. And now I watch TV at home like a lonely asshole. And it doesn't look as good as it did. <laughs> And uh, somebody, somebody, let me know what I need to look out for. I don't know shit about TVs. So. Yeah, you know me neither. I could tell you with monitors, but it's not a mo- that's not a TV. It's yeah. Different. Yep. Uh, but yeah, bright or bright. <laughs> <laughs> five out of five brights on bright. Uh, no Pacific Rim Uprising follows the story of John Boyega, the yeah, son of Idris Elba. Which mm-hmm. you know what? I could see that happening. They're both black british actors the (laughs) age is about right (laughs) doesn't he have an american accent in the movie though no actually oh shit yeah he's actually speaking with his british accent which i thought was a slight plot hole but no turns out he actually knew his dad because like you know spoiler for the first one idris elba dies at the end and it's in the future it's 10 years after that but turns out that this kid was living on the base with his dad like they weren't close, but, you know, they knew each other. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's Earth 10 years after the events of Pacific Rim 1. Ooh, can I guess some stuff? Yeah, go for it. Uh, John Boyega's mother, she's not around because she dies on the top of a hospital <laughs> while trying to help people while aliens invade. And he's flying in a jet trying to save her, but he just watches her die as the building crumbles. I have we I don't think we have any idea of what happens to mom. She's like not even mentioned in the movie. <laughs> okay, so that one was Independence Day Resurgence. Oh. And that's okay. how Vivica A. Fox dies. Alright, why not? Yeah. So uh here's another guess. What you got? Uh Charlie Charlie Hennem Hunnam. 
from the first movie. Is he in this one? Nope. Okay, so I, I guess I'll <laughs> I'll get touch on that right now. Basically, no one from the first movie is in this one. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. So the people that uh, that return are uh, Rinko Kukichi, Makomori um, from the movie, mm-hmm. and spoiler, she dies early of on. Of course. And oh man, those death flags were so high. Oh, it was so obvious. I thought she would last a little bit longer into the movie, but no, it was like second scene. You're like, <laughs> she's out. <laughs> uh. And then the two scientists, Charlie Day, and then the, I, I don't know, the other guy. The guy that was in Torchwood. Yes, the, <laughs> the weird one. But yeah, that's basically it. Like, pretty much everyone else is new. And yeah, so John Boyega is, was trained to be a kaiju pilot, or a Jaeger pilot, but just said, you know what, fuck this. I don't want to live with military life. I'm just going to live in... I think Santa Monica is where he was or San Francisco, somewhere in California where that was destroyed, but people are still living out there just kind of picking up the scraps. So he's in like half a mansion and with like, you know, some dusty ass Lamborghinis. So, you know, he's living his best life. And then he had through a series of events, he gets recruited back. Jaegers come back and, you know, he's teaching this girl cause he's already, he already knows how. And they're like, well, you don't have to be in prison if you teach people how to be Jaeger pilots. And he's like, fine, it's better than prison. Get off my nuts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then some twists and turns happens. The uh, Kaiju come back and it's a big Jaeger fight. And it's it's all rather predictable, except for the major twist. I will I will definitely say I did not see that shit coming. Oh, does it turn out that the girl was Satan the entire time and <laughs> John Boyega was Devil Man and they're forced to fight each other and when the girl finally kills John Boyega, she cries and then the god Kaiju resets the earth creating a fourth moon or however many times I've said this. <laughs> You're halfway there. <laughs> You're halfway there. It turns out Charlie Day was Satan and John Boyega was uh, the, 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 the devil man. Ah, uh, he, he becomes half kaiju, and you know it's. I was so close. You were so close. Uh, so do the do the kaiju come back through an interdimensional plot hole? Uh, or do they actually fly to the planet in some in some ship made from an actual plot that makes sense? No, it's it makes sense within the movie. Like, you can definitely see how point A got to point B, but there's a massive leap of, like, why the fuck did that happen to get to, like, get to get that ball rolling in the first place? And it's it's not out of nowhere per se. It's just you really wouldn't see it coming and it doesn't really make sense. But, it, you know, it's 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 not the worst logic. So. Okay. I'll give it a pass and overall the movie was fun it was pure schlock and i give it five out of five brights oh okay all right well i can't wait to go see it it's uh a month from now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i might even go see it this evening depending on when i can get tickets for because my my whole thing for you new listeners because there are definitely new listeners here right shout uh, out to Wooly. thank you Wooly. we appreciate you uh the thing is I just prefer to be there when nobody else is. Yeah. It just makes life much more tolerable 
when I don't have to hear kids screaming or fighting with each other I don't, or old people talking. I don't think you're really going to have to worry about that this one cuz uh <laughs> we went on preview night and that theater was a little little empty. <laughs> okay. All right, good. I'll go see it then. I'll go see it. And then I'll go see Ready Player 1. Ugh. I need I need to see it. I'm Turns I don't out, want to pay for that. You don't want to pay for that? I don't want to pay for that. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. You got anything else? Yeah. So over this last weekend, I went to Anime Ascension, which was a fighting game tournament held at the University of California at Irvine. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, it was, as the name implies, it was focused on anime fighting games. So Blaze Blue, Dragon Ball, Guilty Gear. Under Night and Birth, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, so I, I went for Dragon Ball and to hang out with folks. And I learned something about myself. And that is that I am not motivated by loss. I don't care if I lose. But I care if I win. I'm, I'm motivated by the thrill of victory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So i i went into the tournament and i i really don't take dragon ball very seriously i have not put a bunch of time into the game i've still not even played half the cast like i've i haven't even touched them in training mode but my first round was against flux who's a uh, well-known player from new york who actually flew out here for the tournament so you know uh. he's taking it seriously yikes yeah. yikes aroni right there pal <laughs> i don't know about that i mean Sure, but um, I, I went in expecting to lose. It wasn't actually my first match, just that my first guy didn't show up, so I didn't even get to play anyone before this. So he beats me as expected, but it wasn't complete bus ass. It wasn't like he whooped my ass. You know? Oh, you mean like Wooly did? Uh, no, Wooly was was a lot closer. Like I'll mm. I'll talk on that because okay. all, right. all hey, right, I got excuses for that ass all day. Um, hmm. But in any case, <laughs> top, top 64 at Evo, by the way, <laughs> that was in Marvel. That was in Marvel. I'll whoop his ass at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Come get uh, this work in Marvel. Th- Actually, I'm rusty in that. Now I got excuses uh, on deck and uh, 10 right there. Oh, too, yeah. son. That's what I thought. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. Anyway, continue. But after I lost to flux, my next three matches, I just whooped their asses. The, that, that first guy, I was a little salty about losing. He didn't deserve how badly I, I whooped his ass. Second guy was also not very close. Third guy was super close, but I, you know I clutched it out. The last guy was yeah, it wasn't it was better than I did against Flux, but I don't think he should have done nearly as well as he did. But in any case, that actually made me want to play the game more. Like I didn't care when I was losing, but now I care because I can beat people. It's like, oh, if I actually put time into this game, I would actually be good. Oh, do oh. I want to do this? Could you imagine if you got another top 64 at Evo? I could. Hmm. I could. Hmm. Yeah. Plus, this game actually has a scene. And that was kind of the issue with Marvel 3 by the end was that, like, just there weren't enough people to play with. The people weren't actually motivated. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's what's prevented me from getting into Skullgirls. That shit was popping, like... 2013 2014 yeah. 
And by the time I got around to it, it was like 2015, 2016, and there were 30 people playing it. Yeah. And I was getting dusted every single time. Yeah, because these people have been playing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And Justin, bless his heart, tried to teach me some. And I did I did work out one really good combo with Eliza. Yeah. Like one really solid one. If if I could explain it well, I would. Yeah, Skullgirls is a little hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fun game, though. Bring it back. We talk a little bit about Skullgirls with Wooly, but... Yeah. Also, at Anime Ascension, I got to play Blaze Blue Cross Tag, which is the new Blaze Blue game entry that features characters from Blaze Blue, Undernight and Birth, Ruby... And Persona for fighting arena, whatever you want to call it. I can't wait until we have an anime and we can just inject our characters. I know, right? Like a really shitty anime, by the way. Yeah. If you like Ruby, I'm. Look, hey. you like what you like, <laughs> but I'm giving that shit like one out of five brights. <laughs> Maybe I, it's gotten better. That first season was fucking rough. Though. I couldn't. I couldn't watch anything by Montiel. Rest in peace. But right, I couldn't watch Monty. any. I I couldn't watch anything by him just because like, especially like Dead Fantasy. I had two friends who were really really into Dead Fantasy, and I'm like, this just looks bad. I can't watch it. Yeah. Yeah, but the action's so cool. Oh, look at that. Oh, no. It, I, this is unwatchable. Here's a promise to you people at home. Soccer no Hime, uh, that's the working title, will be much better. Yeah, guaranteed. 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 But, so I got to play Blaze Blue Cross Tag. And um, I'll probably tweet about this, like, talk more in depth on it in a much more esports friendly manner, a little more little more uh, palatable but that was the worst fighting game i have played since 1996 <laughs> this was a oh, fucking shit. piece of garbage and i am upset about it because okay. i was kind of looking forward to it because i like blaze blue when it was popping i liked Undernight. i li- i didn't ever really cared for persona 4 and i don't give a shit about ruby but i was like okay we have fast-paced game with t- tags and assists and stuff like that's kind of my wheelhouse let let's do this and i sat down and i played it i'm like okay how do i do my moves everything's auto combos i hate everything (laughs) everything is auto combos every fucking thing and it's like okay press press medium 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 oh you just did a fucking super oh congratulations (laughs) <laughs> oh, for the advanced combos, it's oh medium, medium, jump, light, light, medium, 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 land, medium, medium. It's like, this is bullshit. Why the fuck do game developers think this is okay? I hated this. This was the part that really pissed me off about Dragon Ball because you have to do auto combos for certain characters or like you have to do them in certain situations. But to do the best stuff, you're not doing that anyway. This, you're locked into it. You have there is no way around it. There's essentially only two buttons in the game in Blaze Blue Cross Tag. There's light, medium, and then there's heavy, but the heavy button is so slow and so bad that you would never use it in most situations. And then there's two assist buttons. It's like either tag them in or call the assist, which, okay, that's kind of interesting that it's two separate buttons that, you know, okay, fine. But why is your game so dumbed down Because, okay, you're trying to appeal to a casual fan base. Fine. Except, casual fan base 
They're going to play your game for a week. The people who are going to end up playing your game and give it longevity are people who are going to tournaments. They're going to spend time on this game no matter how hard it is. You're not going to get people coming to tournaments that wouldn't have the interest. You would have to have the wherewithal to play on stage, to play against top players in the first place. Some bullshit player isn't going to do that. Maybe, maybe. 1% of new players will stick with it. That wouldn't have stuck with it before. All you're doing is killing the game for people like me who actually want to challenge when they're playing the game. Like, it doesn't have to be Darkstalker's level of difficulty where, you know, you have literal input a pentagram to do this super. (laughs) You don't need that, but you can do something in between that and I'm going to mash my face on the buttons and there's my combo. Oh, I, I'm i fucking mad about that. And they said, one of the producers for Guilty Gear said, we'd probably make the next Guilty Gear easier. And if that's what that means, fuck Arc 6, fuck them forever. <laughs> if that's what that means, get out of here. You're well, trash. Doesn't, doesn't Guilty Gear have the crazy inputs? You're not putting in a pentagram, no, but you're putting in half a pentagram. Yeah, like they have the half circle back forward inputs, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, that's they're a little bit difficult to do. Like they have a, a simplified mode, mm-hmm. and I think it actually it says something that there are games that have easy modes. Most times, those like they're not banned at tournaments. You can request like you can request to turn them on, and certain characters become kind of broken with that with like one button Vodra and Marvel Three, but. No one plays on easy mode because it's not as good. Because when you have the option of ultra simplified inputs and optimal damage, you're going to take the optimal damage because you can just do more with it. But then Blaze Blue Cross Tag is like, okay, how about we put everyone in easy mode and now that's optimal. Mm. And I say, go fuck yourself. Ah, fair <laughs> enough. So, yep. Unless. Here's my here's my asterisk on that whole rant. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm missing something major, but the people who I was talking to about the game did not it, like. These are people who entered the the like the exhibition and planned on winning. They did nothing to dispel my anger over this game. Yikes! So yeah, uh, that's no good. Well, hopefully it comes out and it's decent. I mean, I have no dog in the fight, to be honest. I, I'm i not big into fighting games. I'll, I'll play them casually if the if the gang is playing or whatever. Yeah. But, like, I've never been one to, like, go extra hard on any fighting game. Sure. And I understand that they're not for everyone. And I, I, I know that this is a bid to make it more for everyone. Yeah, more accessible for people. I mean, that's not that's not going to get me to play though. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like I <laughs> there's there's an argument to be had about skill floor versus skill ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing games for so long, like effectively all of my life, that I don't mind a high skill floor. If a game is very hard just to even get past the first level or just like get just to get into it, I don't really mind that. If I'm interested in the game, I'm going to get decent at it. But if the skill ceiling is too low, 
Like if everyone's figured everything out within a month, that's a bad game. Fair enough. Fair so enough. that's that's kind of where I'm at with a bit of how I feel about Dragon Ball. I feel like we're still we, we haven't figured everything out yet, but I don't know how much more they can really add without changing something about the game. Yeah. Hmm. But that's definitely where I'm lo- what I'm looking at with Blaze Blue. That I feel like the the skill ceiling has been just caved the fuck in. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, the ceiling is the floor. Yeah, rather, rather than the ceiling is the roof. That's a reference to Michael Jordan. Ha ha. Um, did you see Fully Cooly? Yes. Alternative. Yes. What'd you think of that? I thought it was cool. Um. You know, I you can't really judge much off the first episode. Yeah, that's also true. I I wanted to comment on that briefly mm-hmm. because one of the things that I hate the most is when shows are premiered in the way that Adult Swim did that and Rick and Morty the previous year. Yeah. Like you show me one episode six months before it's supposed to come out and you expect me to give a fuck about it. Yeah. That's so weird. I, I think if it was coming out next month, then it would be fine. Yeah. But yeah, six months down the line, that's too early. And I don't think it's even the first one that's being released, is no. it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's progressive first. Alternative is the third season. Huh. Yeah, real real strange. Yeah. Well, anyway, I thought it was all right. It's It feels like fully coolly. Yeah. I don't know about the action, though. The 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 animation is a little bit shaky for the action. It definitely was not quite to the standard of the first season of Fully Cooly, but certainly not. Especially when the spider came out of uh, what's her name's head, or I guess it was a hand that came out of her head, and she was crawling on the ceiling and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty well animated. Yeah, but yeah. I mean the the first few episodes are supposed to grab you. That didn't really grab me. Hmm. It seems interesting, but whatever. Yeah, probably still watch it because it's still fully cool. Yeah, I'll probably still watch it anyway. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's move into our interview with Wooly Wolves. Yeah. Uh, we're here today with a very special guest. We've yeah, got yeah. Wooly Wolves of Super Best Friends Play of Wooly versus Fame on YouTube. Uh, one of one of uh, one of the many prolific FGCs FGC men <laughs> that, that we've had on the show. Uh, uh, that's a whole lot of big ups for uh, 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 a scrub, but. Sh- Sure, I'll take it. I don't. I don't believe it, and uh, you know that's fine. But I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> take that. Take that. Look, look, look at you being all humble, <laughs> Lord Wolves. <laughs> Yo, it's it, you, you say humble. It's it's tr- it's dead truth. So you you don't even know how much truth it is. But it's 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 cool. What's up, guys? I'm chilling, chilling, man, chilling. Um. Oh, you know what? I just realized we didn't actually introduce ourselves. Oh, right, well, yeah. okay. I, well, I'm Denzel. Uh, you're hearing me right now. <laughs> and I'm Chet. <laughs> right on. Right on. Oh, shit. Uh, how, so 
we're real professional up in here. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this—that's yeah. what this game is. That's what this podcast game is. People <laughs> yeah, with their mics in their basements trying to be pros. You know, that's what we do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh man. So, uh, what's you've been? How long have you been involved with the FGC? FGC. I mean, Jesus. Uh, I I guess I. If I had to put a date on it, because I mean, I've been, you know, I've been playing fighting games my whole life and yeah. I've been like at the arcades after school as long as I've been in school. Yeah. But, um, you know, I guess just to to put a date on when I actually started com- like competing slash participating was, uh, you know, the return. Right. Oh, nine. Back yep. when uh, Street Fighter four came back out. That was uh, pretty much what kind of got. Uh, the local community up here in Montreal together. And um, in particular, I, I made a Facebook group and started just bringing my console out to a, a little bar and uh, inviting everybody from, you know, the Montreal area to come out and play some some casuals. And uh, that kind of got a group together. And uh, that was more or less the Montreal Street Fighter community that formed... All right. You know, I, I know Canada does have a pretty robust scene, but I don't actually know anything about the Montreal scene in specific. I just kind of know it as Canada as oh, okay. <laughs> like a, a whole thing. So like how yeah. how is the Montreal scene? The Montreal scene is kind of it's like it's it, it's not really bragging. It's literally actually like where the best players come from in every game. It's and it's and it's and like again, like once upon a time, it'd be like, oh, we're talking, you know, mad shit. But it, it really isn't because, like, the best Street Fighter player in Canada is uh, Chirithi Henry. He's from yeah. Montreal. The best um, Netherrealm player, you know, the place in Justice is Hayate from Montreal. Hey. Uh, for in Canada, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, we have anime winners Bryce, who won, uh, you know, Blaze Blue at, at Evo. We have uh, Poh Posh P who's another uh, anime player that's won multiple tournaments. Like we've got pretty much like Thilo, this guy that got uh, fifth at ST at Evo as well. Like it, Montreal Damn. has like the top Canadian players and it's not really like, you know, trash talking to say. Yeah. So yeah. No, I, I, I totally understand. You know? Like, there's, there comes a point where it transcends shit talk and it becomes just fact. Like, yeah, I can, like, I can we, say that San Diego was at one point one of the strongest scenes in the world. No, not mm-hmm. so much, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. And I mean, you know, like when we're, you know, like it, it, we always have a fun thing we do at like at Evo at major events. And, you know, like people sometimes you hear like a chant of like Canada, Canada. And like when you hear <laughs> when you hear that, that means it's people from Toronto or Calgary but like when Montreal does something, you hear MTL, MTL, uh, you know, like it's a very distinct uh, chant. But yeah, we do it. That's good stuff. I dig it. I dig it. So do you do you still attend large events whenever you can? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. There was there was definitely a point when uh, I, I had to choose between FGC and YouTube. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I made that choice, but, <laughs> uh, you know, for a, for a solid, like, so I guess from, from Oh nine to about, um, I want to say 2011, I was, uh, TOing basically I was running tournaments up here in Montreal and, and, um, and running the, the scene 
uh, around 11 is when I kind of decided to start switching gears a bit more and focusing on YouTube. Sure. And um, that became the main thing. And so, um, you know, it, 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 now I think uh, I'd say once once five kind of came back out and, and also like a lot of other games that caught my interest, especially with Dragon Ball going as strong as it is. Like I'm definitely back to, you know, uh, playing at weeklies, traveling, going to as many Evos and tournaments as possible. Cool. Um, the only the only difference is that now I can't really put as much time into the grind as I used to. Yeah. So, you know, the 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 TOing and the kind of like trying to seriously get as far as possible is like unfortunately a little bit behind me, but I'm still gonna like do my best and, and put in the time that I can given yeah, my busy sure. schedule. Well that's cool. You know, I didn't actually realize you were still an active player. You know, I, I knew that you were always into fighting games and that was one of the reasons why people kept recommending you to this show and then like saying like, you guys got to play each other, you know, all this stuff. It's cause you know, we both have a history with fighting games, but I didn't realize you were actually still an active player. So I'm glad to hear that. You know, I, I, yeah, hate, uh, I hate when people are fans of something, but can't actually participate in it. You know, yeah. it's just kind of heartbreaking. No, it, it does. And I mean, like, honestly, the, um, I, I feel like, you know, as long as there's like, as long as there's like a, a bunch of games out that are just sick to play, I'm going to be around. And I feel like if any, like when I was playing, you know, uh, when I was getting back in and, and, and putting time in on five and then like around the corner comes Tekken seven, this godlike release, yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to not play that, you know? And <laughs> I mean, for, for, you know, for all its foibles and stumbles, like I spent some time on Marvel infinite. I learned you know, how to, how to have fun with that. And there's just there's just a whole plethora of amazing things to play, and like as a fan of the genre, I'm never gonna not be with my hands on a stick. It's you know in some way, in some capacity. Yeah, I dig it. I dig. Yeah, it. yeah. I, I still like it. You, you used to play Marvel. You used to play Marvel. You said. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my best placing was uh, top sixty four at Evo. I'm. Oh I shit! Kind of frauded okay. my way up there, but you know this is okay. Don't pay attention to him. This this seems like this is exactly what like old heads do when they're reminiscing yeah. about their high school days. <laughs> like I was the star quarterback. I took us to state championship. We lost, but I still took us to state. That's what this dude is doing. Hey, hey. that's what this guy. I'm is not. Doing. I'm not posting my body count out here. I'm not saying. <laughs> oh, I've taken what? games off clockwork. <laughs> what, year was, what year was that? What year? Was that, that was uh 2016 oh, so, okay that's pretty recent yeah, yeah yeah all right yeah yeah um who do you run in marvel 3 i was doing hagger dorm strange Ooh. yeah okay okay, yeah. okay. it was pretty nasty because i could just use bolts to lock them down and then it's like okay well did hagger touch you all right you're dead have fun. No, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. You have to you you got to play a team that you have to think a little bit. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do have a Virgil and Zero team just, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes okay. sometimes you got to get dumb on them. Yeah, but but yeah, but for me now it's it's all about that Arxis train and it's all about Dragon Ball and 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 Exerge, you know, like I I feel like um Arxis is firmly just taking the the, the fighting game baton and like holding it and not letting anyone get close. Yeah, it's kind of crazy like how quickly they've rose to prominence like as kind of the main company right now that you're seeing at large tournaments between Dragon Ball, Guilty Gear, and now Blaze Blue coming out. Like 
their their stuff used to be a little more niche and now it's uh like the well, most represented games i mean it's that's what happens when like when you allow someone to take that spot which unfortunately capcom did yeah you know um it, 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 like there's for for i mean i'm glad that we can say that there is like recent entries in the marvel and in the street fighter franchises you know it's not like they're just dead and sitting there but like the the missteps they took and 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 the fact that it took you know like five a little bit of time to really get spruced up into a place where a lot of people were happy with it was all time that like arxis was just laid in the cut you know and then they came with 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 uh uh revelator and 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 just like it was it's just the most beautiful the most sick like insanely fun guilty gear there's ever been you know and then of course you get your hands on a property like dragon ball and like okay what what like the the entire hood gets that like is, is here for dragon ball <laughs> everybody's here for dragon ball that's crazy you know and you put it in yeah. the hands of people that make arxis games and it's like yeah okay man like that's a that's a that's a killer combination you know yeah. so and the fact that we're, I'm not even surprised because it's like, we're looking at Evo and it's like, yeah, does Dragon Ball have more signups than uh, Street Fighter does? Of course. You know, like, I feel like it's going to be the main event on the the Sunday stage for the first time ever is going to not be Street Fighter. Yeah. At the at the rate it's going, that's pretty likely. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it holds up because I enjoy dragon ball I, I but i like watching it better than i like playing it playing it it feels okay. really scrubby especially oh. online like you know everyone's <laughs> super dashing and just like pressing to yeah. it just because they can and stuff like that like obviously in tournament play it's different because people respect yeah. each other more and are just less likely to do dumb shit like that well, you, 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 the, you know you have to get out of the early bp leagues right you have to kind of get <laughs> yeah. out of that 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 first category of people that are just kind of mashing the the super dash button and then you start getting real matches eventually um you know the 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 number keeps going up as to like where that range is but like there is a point where you play online and like you're playing legit matches against people yeah 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 but but but, but of course local play is is where it's at so definitely there's no question i yeah i i never got used to playing fighting games online except for third strike because i played a lot of uh, 2d fighter.net that one i can mm-hmm. do online for some reason like mm-hmm. even parrying through lag i can do that <laughs> but um yeah playing some of these newer games it's just it ain't it's not happening uh, uh, like anything that um you know is kind of being done with uh, a proprietary system that's not ggpo i feel is gonna have a that 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 suffering uh, a little bit of suffering on it because you know a lot of Japanese companies like Arxis is, is talking about how they're they're there's quotes coming about how about how they're sick of hearing about GGPO because they're just like everyone's telling them please put it in please put it in <laughs> but they want to do things their traditional way and they don't want any sort of outside influence and they'll take rollback net code and look at it and implement it in their own version but yeah you know th- they have solutions that work for pretty much Asia, but not North America. And, you know, um, I feel like it's going to be some time before like the word gets through so that they kind of just do what works on, on our coasts as well. You know? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if they ever kind of change things up to actually make it playable in North America. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> They, you know, I mean, over time they, they do, it, it just takes so long because, you know, the tradition of how, 
like things are done uh, when it comes to making and, and programming uh, games over there is like it, a lot of it is like this is what has made us successful up to this point. But eventually enough pressure and like um, I guess quality of life changes just like they just overwhelm. Right. So uh, I've talked about it before, but something like um, going to the button inputs and tapping to set your buttons as opposed oh, to having yeah. to scroll. Yeah. Right. Like once upon a time, everyone just said, no, you're going to sit there and scroll to get your buttons in because this is the way it's always been done. Right. And like, you know, and like, and the way it's always been done, it, it allows you to like map macros and things like that. But ultimately people are like, I don't care about macros. I just want to set it up and go into my next set, you know? Yeah. And, um, after years of like complaining about it, like it finally got through to the point where now the average fighter has touch to input, but it just, it took so long, you know? So, I mean, I think it will get there eventually, but it's just, you got to wait on it. Yeah. 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 That's for sure. I also yeah. like that. You don't actually have to go into a game to set your buttons or like go out to options. Yes. You can just do it from the character select. Exactly. How convenient. Exactly. I'll, I'll, and like, and like, quite frankly, I mean, there's so many quality of things life now that we kind of like take for granted to the point where the moment it's not in a game, it's just baffling and weird now. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, I want to credit Skullgirls with a lot of that, like hold start to pause is now yeah. the standard because yeah. how stupid was it to just tap it and let it get DQ, get a but DQ. That, you know? that was, that was so clear that Skullgirls was made by someone who actually plays these games. And as exactly. a consumer, it's like, Oh, these are things that I would love to have that no now, other company has done. And what, what is, is infuriating at times is how, despite the fact that Skullgirls invented so much of this, they still have a bunch of amazing ideas that get left on the table everywhere. Like, yeah. yes, they, yeah, they took the start to pause and the, and you know, quick inputs made their way in, but like they're giving away things like, um, libraries that allow you to plug in rollback, uh, sticks into your, into your PS4. Right. They yeah. gave that away for free and said, use this to let anyone use their old sticks. And, all these companies just don't want to touch it. You know, they, they have things like that that are just going to make people's lives easier that they're just like, Nope, we refuse. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think like things like, uh, uh, three, six, three sixty detection is genius. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the anti-infinite system, it's like, okay, that's, that's down to gameplay. You're not going to, you know, that you can do what you want on that, but there's some really smart, ingenious things. And I, I'd say the number one with a bullet, the absolute sickest feature in Skullgirls that should show up in every game, but for some reason they just don't, is the ability in versus mode to pause it and just turn on training. Do, oh, yeah. right? You turn the match into a training room that's two players. You have infinite life and bar. You test out whatever you want to do, and then you immediately turn it back off and go to a normal versus match. Yeah, like that's so cool, and it's incredible. Yeah. And no one's no one's taking it. You know, it, it makes no sense. It's like guys, just pay attention to what's coming out to make a good fighter. Like it, it's it really there's so much out here, and and uh, Mike Z did all this work. You know, and and they pretty much want people to take those things, but. People are stubborn, you know. Yeah. So we gotta yeah, wait. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Maybe yeah. one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So moving away from fighting games a bit, because I know Denzel is sitting here quiet. <laughs> uh yeah. So how how did you get started on YouTube? Like what what inspired you to make this a thing? You just you Well, know, I mean yeah, like it, it, you know, it's a, it's a history that, uh, 
I'd say, you know, is, is documented at this point because it's a part of the, the goofy ass lore that is like stupid woolly. But, um, so, you know, the guy I record with Matt on the channel, who's, uh, he's the, the switcher, AKA the, the creator of best friends play. And, um, back early on when we were, you know, we, we met in college and we were hanging out and we, we used to just kind of make these stupid jokes that we would occasionally be like, man, it would be funny to film that as a bit. So like we'd film these dumb little skits on, uh, and Ben, he'd throw them up on his YouTube channel. Um, and he was also making the street fighter stupidity videos at the time. So it was pretty much all these old, uh, like compilations of the street fighter cartoon, the bad American one. He was basically editing together all the awful content in that. And, um, that was, you know, that was kind of bringing uh, an audience to check out like how off, how, how stupid those old cartoons were. And uh, what we would do is we basically make these little skits and, you know, throw them up for fun. And eventually uh, one day, so we, we threw up a skit called like Rolling Starts, which was like, what if every video game started like Daytona with a rolling oh, start? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fun one. And we did like top 10 Azuna drops and some goofy stuff like that. Uh, a few never saw the light of day. But in the end, uh, eventually Matt came and he said, hey, I've got an idea for a new video. Uh, it's going to be two friends that are getting super mad at each other while they're playing the easiest co-op game in the world, Kirby. Uh. Right. <laughs> and uh, at Kirby's Epic Yarn it had like just come out around the time. And he's like, how how dumb would it be if like grown ass men were getting screaming violently angry at each other playing this incredibly easy game? And I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I like that. Uh, and I was like, and the thing is, usually we had like a big punchline, you know, that we would work towards on our videos. So I was like, okay, it's missing the punchline, but right now I think that's a really funny concept, right? And uh, this was at the time as well where I was like regularly doing. Um, I was regularly doing like the, the tournament stuff with the FGC and I was like running uh, uh, weeklies and events and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, the way Matt tells the story is he'll say like, oh, Willie, I came and he was like too busy watching Daigo or whatever and just like jerking off at the skeptic screen. So like I, he's like, I don't want to record with you. And I'm like, that's not the way it went. I specifically was like, hey, man, like, I, <laughs> like let's add a punchline to this thing and then we'll do it. Right. And uh, he kind of went like, OK, sure. Uh, and then, but he just wanted to go ahead with it. So he, he asked Pat, uh, another friend that I had introduced him to from college. He's like, "Hey, man, do you want to try doing this idea instead?" And yeah, he went sure. And so they recorded. They did that. Um, they did that Kirby's Epic Yard video, and you know that thing blew up. It took off. It became what it was. Uh, and then eventually, Matt and I started working together on Fighterpedia, a fighting game uh, sort of parody show, for a while, and. You know, just from working on that and sort of building up uh, a, a bigger rapport, eventually we got to a point where we were like, okay, we can start dedicating more of our time towards making these regular YouTube like Let's Plays and things like that because enough people were watching them that uh, it became worth it. Okay. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. When you guys go about planning like your content, is it just uh, and a, an idea pops into your head and you're just like, okay, well, let's do that. Or is it more analytical? Like you look at what's been popular in the last like 
few weeks or whatever. Oh my God, that couldn't be further from the truth. We <laughs> like, it is just literally, yo, what do you feel like? And, or, Hey, you know, what's a cool thing I've never played or what's a cool idea. And that's literally it. Like I feel in deep down, I know that like if anyone that was running like YouTube metrics or stats or any, any official, you know, like publicist person would look at our stuff, they'd freak out and, and run because <laughs> we ignore trends. We ignore all of it. We literally don't know, look or care about anything like that. Um, occasionally there's times when it's like, Hey, that's a new game. We should probably look at that because it's new, but mostly it has to be based on our curiosity in the thing. So like, uh, there's a great you know story about oh god I, I'm gonna mess it up because I don't remember the exact things but I think it was like um, it was it was uh, uh, Liam and and Matt went down to uh, you know this kind of like YouTube mixer event thing that was happening at, at PAX um, and everyone was around the table talking about they're like hey what are you guys up to and they're like oh yeah the latest Call of Duty another person is like yeah we got some League of Legends like streams going and, and whatnot and people are going around the table talking about how they're going to approach the latest content in the new Assassin's Creed game and this is that and they're like what are you guys up to on your channel and we were like yeah we're playing N64 wrestling games and Star Fox <laughs> Adventures <laughs> and they're like oh okay you know and we're like yep and it was, and it's fine because it's like, like, okay, it's new. That'll get people in that are looking for, you know, a thing to see, like, I don't know whether they should buy the game or maybe as a possible replacement, but I don't know. In, in our case, we kind of just like, if it's funny, it doesn't matter what we're playing as long as it's entertaining. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so we don't, we don't sweat the, the, the analytics too much, if at all, really. Yeah. Do you think that that comes through to your audience that like, it's clear that you're just doing this because you enjoy it. I I hope so. And from the sounds of things it, it does come through, it, it also means that like we like our, our you know, the way our, our, our fan base has grown is like glacial at best, but, <laughs> but they're there to stay, you know, it's like, we don't have like the millions flowing in, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? But we you're do have, grumps. No, certainly not. But we we do have a, a solid core of people that like they stick around and they watch everything that goes up, you know. And I mean, we kind of just like I don't know. We kind of like built a thing on on um, trying to not be too like goofy and, and weird about it, you know. So we uh, like a part of it wasn't even intentional, but like eventually something that we became known for, I guess, is like not going hey like comment subscribe right uh. like some. Or we, we put our videos up that have like, you know, some channels will kind of put things up in, in their like really small, like 10 minute parts and things like that. And we kind of just go like, ah, I'd be annoyed if I watched something that was less than half an hour if I'm trying to watch a Let's Play. So why, why not put it in chunks of at least that much, you know? Um, and a lot of these things, people just went like, that's cool. We appreciate that you guys do that. And it was completely unintentional. It was just like based on the idea that it's like, hey, what's annoying when I see it? Let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That reminds me a lot of like Giant Bomb uh, because like when they were initially starting their video stuff, they like basically couldn't do short, short form videos based on like the type of content that they were producing. And like, I really appreciate the fact that there are people out there that are bucking trends because I remember around. Oh, God, it must have been 
2011, 2012, when YouTube was like for real becoming like a for real money making thing. And Mm -hmm. people were like, we can't do videos over five minutes because people's attention spans won't allow them to watch it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, I do really respect people who do longer form stuff. I watch a lot of really long form stuff, too. I'm, uh, what 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 does suck is that like um so you, no matter what your reasons are for doing those things though like YouTube can change the way it it works can change its algorithms to like either reward or punish you based on these things and it seems like over time uh they've switched things up in such a way that like long form videos do get punished more often and um at the moment as far as we currently know the long videos that like kind of go up um it it depends on the size of your channel a lot of the time but youtube basically will punish your channel if people don't watch a video from beginning to end so if something goes up and it's like multiple hours long if it's a stream archive or like a long long podcast for example there's a there's chances where like whenever someone doesn't finish that thing your channel is like, oh, people don't finish everything they watch on your channel. Therefore, your thing is less important, you know. And it's like, but yeah. that's not that's not true. Like that's not what people are doing. But it's just what they're implementing as a whole. But you know, that's the least of their problems, to be honest. Like they have all kinds of other dumb things they're doing. But either way, um, yeah, it's really appreciated when you know people kind of like make a uh, 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 content that I guess just feels genuine. You know, that's 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 my favorite kind of stuff. So that's what I try to make. Yeah, I feel like it's really obvious when people are just trying to ride the coattails of whoever's popping at the moment. Mm. Like, <laughs> like Fortnite is a great example oh, of that. Man. Actually, <laughs> everybody who's come out the woodwork. I mean, like, and even in the last like couple of weeks, when Drake was playing with uh, the streamer Ninja. Like you, you could see a change in the type of content people are doing. And like, of course, you can see people shifting from YouTube to Twitch for live streaming, even like large YouTubers are doing it, which is kind of nuts, uh, which it's kind of telling that YouTube's platform is kind of bad. <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Like, yeah, and it's ability. It's scaring people away for sure. And, and like, yeah, like, I don't know, man. I, sometimes I'm just like a bit old and late to the to, to the, the, the curb, you know, like late to the cusp. But I, I feel like, um, like Fortnite, I, I've, I haven't, I've never touched. I, I don't know much, you know, about, but the, the, the brief like TLDR explanation that's been given to me has been like, it's basically for people that want to play PUBG, but want to do it on a console. Is that accurate? No, no. It's okay, not. it's more so. <laughs> okay. um, it's it's like third person PUBG with portable cover. Like you can you can build your cover at any point in time, and like okay, that's, that's but, really closer to what it is. But it, it is something that is where it's at, based on like PUBG being a thing. Then yeah. yes. Because yeah. it, okay. it didn't have that battle royale mode at first, right? No, it didn't. Uh, so it had. They a, threw it in as an homage. Uh, I remember reading the news about. 
as a quote unquote homage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> More like we're stealing all your money. <laughs> right. It's funny because like PUBG, of course, is using uh the Unreal Engine. Epic owns the Unreal Engine. And like there was a lot of hullabaloo over like whether or not it was ethically all right for them to build a battle royale game with their game in mind, with one of their clients actually producing that. But it's like they're two different business arms. So like what are you really upset about? Because the game is more optimized and it runs better than than PUBG does. And the team at Epic is, of course, more experienced because they've been at it for longer. And it didn't what it seemed like to me when the Battle Royale initially came out is that it just didn't take them a ton of work to do. And they were just like, ah, this could be like a fun little thing to put out. So they put it out and lo and behold, it becomes super popular and they actually started putting work into it. So it's like Counter-Strike with Halo 2. Or not Halo, God, Halo 2, Half-Life. Half-Life, yeah. (laughs) All right, closer. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, that's not right at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So Kind of, kind of, more or less, uh, more or less the the like the idea I I, I kind of had was like, yeah, okay, this is PUBG based, but not PUBG thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyway, it's fun. I, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> not up your alley. Not really. I don't know. There's a lot of genres that are just kind of like. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, no, no, like they're just not my thing. They're just not, they're just things that just don't, just don't hold my attention that much. That's all. It's, it's it doesn't seem you. to be one of those. That's all. I'm with you. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> let's, let's go on to anime. Let's talk about some anime. Let's. Oh, shit. All right. So, uh, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, talked to like this, uh, anime YouTuber, um, and, He's he does a lot of a lot of content. One of the things that I noticed that you do on your Wooly versus channel is bullet to the head or gun to the head. So (laughs) gun to the head. What do you what are you picking? Evangelion or fully Cooley? Properties as a whole. Uh, do we get to count alternative and uh, the other one that's about to come out? Uh, progressive, progressive, and progressive. Alternative. Yeah, if you want to. I mean, granted, because nobody knows what those are like. They could be. Bad. No, they could be bad. But but you know what? Three point three three already exists. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, Evangelion broke more ground for what it was, and it, and it, and and Hideaki Anno, God bless his insane soul, like he, you know, he had the balls to say "fuck you" to his own audience, and like, <laughs> I, 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 I gotta give it to Ava. You know, it, it was the proper first like um, deconstruction, you know, of 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 its genre, um, and. There's a really great post about you know deconstruction versus reconstruction in anime out there. Um, it's it's pretty fun where they basically look at different genres and go like, uh, usually you have like the invention of the thing and super robots and and such are built up in in, in the way that you know Mazinger and and Ghetto Robo and all these things have have and um uh, um um oh my god what is wrong with me uh uh, uh Gunbuster 
have have uh, come along and sort of set up. And then, you know, Gainax comes along with Evangelion, and that's the deconstruction of the genre where it pretty much rips it apart and takes what your expectations are for these characters and then, you know, throws everything on its head and, and makes you kind of question um, who you are in life and what today is. Uh, <laughs> and then a reconstruction eventually comes along in the genre and sort of like like goes past the deconstruction elements and then builds it back up to its original sort of like framework. So Gurren Lagan would be the, the mecha equivalent in this case. Um, Madoka gets compared as well for like the magical oh, girl sure, case and yeah. such, you know, so like it's, it's a really cool um, discussion point, but yeah, for all that's worth, I, I would say that um, Ava has more, you know, medals on its chest. It has more like uh, uh, battle scars. It's been through a lot more. And despite the fact that 3.33 is uh, out there, um, the, the majority of the franchise, uh, I'd say Ava uh, is, is just got, it's more important and thus it means a bit more. FLCL is just a f- masterpiece that is like short and sweet and beautiful. Um, and it gets the benefit of being like higher quality animation and just like moment to moment, it's more fluid because of how short it is. Um, and you know, the brevity is kind of what like keeps it so like perf- pristine in a way. Yeah. But, um, but I'd say that Ava breaking the ground it did is, uh, going to put it up there uh, for me. Damn, fair enough. All right. That's a good ass answer. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, granted, I haven't I didn't prep you with any questions or anything. So this one might take a little bit more uh, jogging of the noggin. But do you have like a top three anime list? Top three? I I can't. No, I, I have genres that I enjoy. Um, but I mean, I, the apples and oranges thing is always rough for me, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's always, yeah, I, I pretty much have to like, I have to, I have to have some sort of sub categorization, but uh, top three sports anime go <laughs> I shield 21. No. Um, Hey, that's a real answer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, whew. Yeah. Are there, are uh, there I, any that you can just go back to repeatedly, like re- regardless of like how many times you've seen it, you can just put it on I, whenever? Yeah. Well, like FLCL is absolutely a re- the, one of the most rewatchable things um, for sure. It's incredible. Um, uh, you know, like I, uh, I think I love showing people Gunbuster. Like I know I'm just mentioning what I mentioned, but I love showing people that uh, in particular, like where that goes and just watching people's expectations go like, um, thus die buster as well in that way. Um, watch those too. Uh, they're, they're fantastic. If you like Mecca, um, you know, you gotta mention Gurren Lagan. Uh, I, I, I like where trigger went with kill the kill. Uh, I expected, I don't know what I expected, but I got some cool stuff out of that. That was fun. Um, I'm, Jeez, I'm a. I really like Mushishi. Uh, that thing is just a mood setter that is tons of fun, and I love like the mellowing sort of vibe that 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 comes with that. I don't know, man. I, I've seen a lot over the years. I haven't seen as many as like Mother's Basement or anyone that has a dedicated anime channel, but sure. I spent a solid like half of my life watching 
some anime in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, uh, like at the very least, yeah, like uh, you gotta, you gotta like pare it down to genres for me before I think I can just throw one out there. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Jojo, 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 Jojo. There. <laughs> Jojo. We'll say Jojo. Jojo for everything. <laughs> Dylon, 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 Dylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, here's, a, here's a good one. So you're around our age. So you probably started watching anime before it was really easy to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. How was that journey for you in Canada? Um, God bless my friends, bootleg VHS Dragon Ball tapes. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was how it went down. Um, you know, there's like, I, I'm not so old that like, I, I wasn't around for the theatrical release of like, uh, Akira and Ghost in the Shell and stuff like that. So, you know, there was definitely like some availability and, and Ninja Scroll was getting pushed as hard as it was to, um, so you know, early on, like that was that was absolutely uh, starting to become a more commonplace thing. But uh, yeah, the the early early years of like wanting to see stuff, it, it wasn't about like access to any anime. It was access to like current and or like sequels or future seasons of things, right? So yeah. like yeah, if if you wanted to see Dragon Ball movies, there's no other choice but to watch these, you know, like super badly recorded, super low play. Uh, uh, six-hour tapes, um, <laughs> but yeah, I got lucky. I had the friend, you know. I had the friend, and and the friend had the brother that came back from China, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was how we hooked it up for a while. Um, some other stuff was honestly just like getting told about it, you know. Like some like I feel like um, you know, like there was like definitely a, like a couple of Dragon Ball like like movies where like. In my head, I felt like I watched it, but I remembered that, no, I was just getting, my friend was sitting at the back of church one day and just telling me about <laughs> this cool movie in detail. And I was like, oh man, I feel like I saw it, but he just told me everything that happened, you know? Yep. So, uh, uh, but yeah, that's what it was, man. It was the VHS. And, and, and of course it's your duty to, you know, make a copy and then pass that on to your, to the next. So, of course. um, the quality it was it was that much worse every time <laughs> yes yes it was really nice though when you know eventually like our comic store started like carrying their local copies of uh, of things on vhs as well and you know and before we knew it escaflone was on tv and uh it was great yeah <laughs> so yeah it's it's actually kind of wild there's a lot of crossover between like pro wrestling and anime in the tape trading days because <laughs> like you you couldn't get a lot of things. I mean, granted, like Japanese wrestling didn't air in the U.S., same with anime. So what you would have is people who would essentially establish businesses through forums uh, of just solely tape trading. It was really mm-hmm. an interesting time because anime wouldn't be, I don't think, it, I, like Toonami, of course, is basically, I want to say like one of the main reasons why anime is as big as it is in the u.s um them sci-fi and uh i guess for kids to a certain extent on on fox yeah because they they really kind of brought over the more popular stuff and like i don't know if you remember this website at all but there was a site called the otaku 
Ooh, no. That was it was way back in the day. And they had uh, basically a tremendous listing of every anime that anybody had actually watched and rated. So they were okay. the summary and then you could just kind of look it up. They had anime and manga on there. Like the site is a lot different than it was um, or it's a lot different now than it was. But hmm. it, was, it was a great resource back when I was a kid ch- to try to find things that I I could possibly get into. Yeah. Yeah. We we had no tsunami up here. We had no, uh, uh, you know, like up in Canada, like it was pretty much just like whatever YTV, our local like kind of Canadian station wanted to air. Um, but it was also just like, you know, going going out of your way to sort of catch it however you could from friends and such. But we... We did have something really cool called uh, the Fantasia Film Festival that's specific to Montreal. And uh, they would always basically, it would be about foreign films and they would bring over anime. So we would get to go to like a theater and watch like, you know, early things that that basically got screened uh, just here in Montreal. So like, yeah, it it was, it was not really explaining how it went for Canada, but more for just our local kind of thing. It, It worked out pretty well based on having like little festivals like that. Cool. That's good. Did you, did you do any like, like, did you participate in any heavy tape trading back in the day? Like, were you like scouring forums and like paying for tapes and stuff? Oh man. No. I mean like, you know, my, my early days on the internet not at all about that. My, my early days on the internet were about collecting dragon ball gifts, (laughs) you know, like specifically, Building a folder as with a lar- as large a collection I could of little Dragon Ball sprites from Super Butoden of the characters just standing there powering up with two frames nice. and like I, and that was my jam. Like I loved just collecting those and you know going through anime web rings. So it's like check out the Trigun Vash the Stampede web ring. You know, like yeah. it was <laughs> it was that that's pretty much what it was. But uh, no, tape trading wasn't wasn't really part of my thing outside of like like I said, just getting some from friends and and then making a copy and passing it off to other friends. You know, like I didn't uh, meet strangers for <laughs> you know like back alley copies of yeah like. You, love hina you know like no we were, we're good we're good oh man um, love hina i didn't yeah. <laughs> heard that name in years <laughs> i uh man i borrowed the mangas for that from a friend and he had lent that to another friend so like these these one set of mangas had been passed around quite a bit and a couple of the volumes had nipples drawn in i'm like yeah oh jeez <laughs> wow yeah. The thirst is real. Holy fuck. Man, like... Who who drew this? Yeah, like... I just, like... I'm like, what? I didn't know... Because I didn't know what a harem was at that time. Like, you know... Because it wasn't established, right? Right. And so this thing comes along and you're just like, what the fuck, Keitaro? Just just tell the girl you like her. What's so hard about this? uh, it It was a trip. I don't know, man. Um... Although on that note, here's an obscure little fact for you. If you go check out the Love Hina game on the Game Boy Advance, it has a fully animated FMV intro that's probably the most impressive thing ever released on the GBA. <laughs> really? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's got the All full right. theme song and animated intro and everything. And I still can't believe someone figured out how to compress that. It's crazy. All right. All right. I'll have to, I'll pull that up on YouTube. There was a Bomberman game on GBA that had a really nice set of like FMV sequences. And I thought that was like the craziest thing, but I need to check that out. Hmm. Yeah. Did the, did the, you mention the like wrestling tape trading? Like, was that what, a, I guess that was a thing for like, um, for getting like new Japan stuff back in the day. Yeah. Um, so I, there are a couple cats that I know, uh, that run a podcast called virtual pros. And every now and again, they, they talk about their trade tape trading days, uh, back on like the DVDVR forums. I think, yeah. DVDVR death Valley driver forums. I want to yeah. say, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they, so they, they got heavy into tape trading. They were doing, they were the ones that were like meeting strangers in dark alleys <laughs> and nailing tapes back and forth, like things like that, like have had huge bins. And like for a little bit, I was pursuing a story, uh, for like a little bit of a crossover, crossover event. The, the the most ambitious crossover event in the history of podcasts just to talk to people who had just been out doing tape trading. Um, okay. So like, I know, I know a little bit about it. I hadn't participated in that personally. So it was, it was it's just something that I had noticed because like piracy is a big ass thing that's in, that's embedded in like the communities of both wrestling and anime definitely and mm. like i think to a certain extent it stems from like companies not broadcasting their stuff over here and people mm-hmm. going back to like tape trading i need like, my crack man you can't you can't cut off the supply <laughs> exactly yeah people no i I, I feel like um, that that's a hundred percent it is like, especially living in Canada where like we just get denied so much, uh, you know, like I remember cause uh, yeah, I have only like in the last few years and not so much currently, but there was definitely a point like from between 2015 and now where I think like myself and the other guys from best friends started paying a bit more attention to like non WWE stuff um and kind of getting into more like like finding out more about new japan and finding out more about like um lucha underground for example and uh lucha underground is like this incredible like static it has like you know it's it's so fun how they present things differently but like we just had no availability up here official officially in canada for a while because this was before it was on netflix and the only place it was up was like it was on the Apple store. But if you went to purchase it, it went, oh, you're from Canada. No, your money's no good here. <laughs> oh, <geez. You> know? <laughs> so we just pretty much were like, OK, well, then you give you leave me no choice. You know, I, I really tried to support you officially, but you didn't want it. So I guess I'm just going to pirate, you know, yeah. like that's kind of how it felt. Yeah, that's that's kind of the disappointing part where I don't think companies realize that the licensing that they have for, and it's fucking 2018. And at the time you were probably starting a pirate. It was what, like 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's what companies don't realize is that like, if you're not making it available easily for people, the easiest thing that they're going to do is they're just going to pirate it. Right. Like it, it doesn't matter that, you know what, it's illegal. It, 
it's just that they want it. They want to see it. So if you don't, if you don't give people any way to watch what you have, then like, it's kind of just not, and I don't want to be out here, uh, hashtag victim blaming, but like, it's kind of, it's kind of their fault. Like people are pirating their shit. Now, granted, like, there are definitely people who would pirate things regardless of if it's yeah. available or not. Of course. Cause the, yeah, the incentive for some people is just that it's free, but the incentive for a whole lot of people is that I can read it as opposed to not, you know, right, or yeah. I can, I can watch it as opposed to not. Sorry. I said read because my brain was thinking about, uh, cancellations of manga. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that is probably the thing I pirate the most to this day. Yeah. You know, like that's the, that's the place where I, cause, and that's where sort of like the ethics kind of like came about in my opinion. Cause you know, you had these places where they're like, okay, we're scanning the weekly releases from Shonen Jump or whatever and throwing them up there for you. And, um, when it gets licensed and then the book is out and you can read it in English then they go, all right, we're done. You can go buy it. You know, although yeah, yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, but now we've got to wait like two years for, you know, viz to catch up or whatever yeah. the case is, you know, but, but yeah. still like, yeah, the, the scansolation community, I feel like is, you know, where they pretty much were like, we're doing this cause there's literally no other way to consume this content. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of strange that that's still pretty much the only way to be current with manga because there's so many simulcasts available for anime. Like mm-hmm. Crunchyroll has so many licenses and will, will air stuff in English at the exact same time, well, at least English sub, but at the exact same time as it airs in Japan, and it can't even be a few hours behind in manga. Like, I feel like that would be a lot easier to translate. What's why is this only left up to these ragtag group of misfits? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a business that's like ripe for the taking if anyone wanted to come do it, but. If they don't, I suspect Crunchyroll might eventually dip their toes in and just be like, let's try this, you know, because but but at the same time, the problem, I think, though, is um, digital manga, though, is still like not, you know what I mean? Like it's not like a, a, a real sort of respected method of distribution of manga in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah that is pretty true. I know so it's not like that's established it. <laughs> unless it's physical. So. That is so. True. That's part. That's part of the holdup too, you know. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate part. Like I, I, I don't know, man. Sometimes I look at. I looked into um, what was it? The, a while back, there was like a big beef in the scanlation community over like general. Basically, somebody like started throwing ads on one of one of the pages that they were doing like, uh, running, and it was mm. just like dog, like. How how is it that people are getting so tight over ads? Like you guys are doing something that's illegal anyway. <laughs> so it's, it's really weird that you're beefing over like the placement of ads as if you can't get ad blocker or and even with like some of the some of the big big like illegal anime streaming sites like there are there are sites that have the infrastructure similar to like a crunchy roll or something. These sites have like hours and hours and hours and hours of anime like you could never not find what you're looking for on these sites but like if you go and you read like some of the subreddits or you read some like forum posts or whatever these people are beefing because like people are trying to make money off of off of illegal stuff essentially 
Bro, I have a Kiss Anime tab open on my browser right in front of me. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, it's right there because I'm in the middle of watching um, uh, 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 Legend of Galactic Heroes. And, oh, like, it, this thing is, like, it runs like a porn site. Like, you can't click twice without a thing popping up in yeah. your face. But, but that's, that's just the norm for how these people have been doing this, for sure. sure. You know, it's just yeah. to be expected almost. Did you guys see that Kiss Anime started a patreon at one point yeah what? Yeah. yeah people were upset about that they're like you motherfuckers really want to get all this money when you're not giving any money to the creators fuck out of here you have enough ads anyway that's crazy yeah yeah <laughs> that yeah. was wild yeah a few of those sites like nine anime as well is one of those sites that recently started implementing a shitload of ads um according to a few of the things that I've read (laughs) (laughs) and like their, their communities, like these communities get super angry about ads, man. It's really (laughs) kind of intense. It's because like, of course none of the money is going to the creators, but like, I don't believe that really anybody's all that upset about the money, not going to the creators, especially if they're like kind of rallying around a product that's based around piracy in the first place. It's really, it's really intense. I mean, what is it like? It, it is cool that that is a part of Crunchyroll's deal. Um, it, and, you know, the hope is that one day that'll be available for most things. But until that day, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm going to just sit here and shrug, man. Like, yeah. You know? yeah, because like even like I'm and granted, like I'm far be it for me to get on a fucking pedestal about this or on a high horse. But like piracy is piracy, dog. Like it's it's illegal. Like nobody nobody should be like trying to justify their piracy. Right. Like there's not it's just like illegal straight up and down. But it's like they're like at least in some ways it's it's kind of like uh ooh, this is this is real real tough to justify talk to talk but it's like ah uh, like i mean like i can't get it anywhere right like even even some of the stuff that's available on like a kiss anime or a nine anime or any of these other streaming sites it's just like dog where am i supposed to find the shit like yeah. there's mm-hmm. like I can't buy DVDs off of the internet, right? Like I can't like I've, you don't have Blu-rays available. Uh, I can't find it on Crunchyroll or Vex or whatever the fuck that other one is called. Like there, it's just not available anywhere. Like where am I supposed to get it? And these people are doing uh, it kind of like I guess the Lord's work maybe <laughs> by like uh, pirating it and like translating it on their own and adding subs and all that. But it's like, fuck man. It's a, it's a real sketch. Yeah. Real sketch. Well, it's, it's just, it's a simple equation. I mean, like humans take the path of least resistance, you know, and if there's no accessibility to a thing and then there's one that's there, then that's what's going to happen. You know? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, and I mean, I, I definitely think that a lot of times, like part of the the deal is, of course, there's no bridge that exists. Like before Crunchyroll, for example, there just was no bridge to the idea of like simulcasting at all, you know? So like a lot of that is just like, there needs to be an existing sort of like structure before the discussion even happens. But like, you know, the, the, the end result when it just swings as far as it can the other way is you get like Toei trying to stop Latin America from 
screening <laughs> Dragon Ball, and it's like, good fucking luck, assholes. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know how much they love this shit. Like, they're watching it in town square, thousands of people gathering like a revolution day just to watch Goku versus Jiren. And you're like trying to stop it. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You know, like it, it, it's, it's nuts, man. See, it's crazy out there. What I would say is, wow, we need to throw more merchandise at Latin America. Yeah. Right. You no, no, nope, shut it down. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Bureaucracy. File the right reports. You got, like, you got it's dedicated fans. Well, like I, I, you know, I tweeted it out. It's like it's almost as if these people love your product and want to celebrate it like a cultural event. Almost, oh, you know, yeah, crazy, right? God, God, God forbid, God forbid, you let that rock. Yeah. <laughs> the craziest part to me is like, at least as far as like Japanese business practices go, like one one of the things that I don't understand is like how like why they don't exploit more stuff like that like why aren't you flooding that market with more merch right like yeah why like why would you want to put it put a stop to it as a whole it's really strange to me that, yeah like, backward it seems almost backwards to me it it, it I, I think some of it is just based on on familiarity i think some of it's just based on like you know like outreach not being as like uh, solid as it could be in terms of just different global communities for like your product, not knowing about how it, how far it reaches, not knowing about the places that it gets to, you know? Um, and I've seen some people like sort of explaining it by saying things like, you know, like they, they, the reason why they do this is because, um, depending on where the trademark laws apply, like if they don't pursue or protect their, their things, then they lose them. But, um, oh. But that doesn't apply in this case, you know what I mean? Like, like that that applies to a very specific type of trademark law that is not a bunch of people gathering in town square with the mayor watching an episode of Dragon Ball. You know, like that's a very different scenario. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is just like new territory. You know, not knowing how how to handle it in some ways, and um, a lot of the times too, you kind of need. Um, it's 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 the same with video games. You kind of need like somebody working at the Japanese company that's from the other place that's explaining to them how it works and why it works the way it does, so that they go, oh, okay, and then they kind of let the person, you know, sort of push an initiative forward in that territory. But if you don't have that person, then eh. Fair enough. Yeah, I feel like there's always been that weird sort of rivalry between people who are like mega fans of something and the creators of that thing. Like for example, um, Steven universe. <laughs> no, not quite like that, but yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more like fan made games and like fan yeah. mods <laughs> where it's like, okay, these people clearly love your product and just want more of it. And you're not giving it to them. <laughs> But yeah. you're also not profiting off of it. So, like, I understand where both sides are coming from, for sure. Like, as a creator, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, cool. It's great that you love our stuff, but you basically just stole jobs out of, you know, our company. <laughs> and we can't do anything with this stuff. But as a fan, it's like, look, we just want more of this stuff and you're not giving it to us. Yeah, uh, I, I made a little video about that some time ago about uh, a, a message to to fan game creators. 
Ah. And, um, you know, the, the, I, I stand by the gist of that message, which was essentially that, um, you know, when you have the resources and tools to make your own video game, you should always strive to do something original, creative, that, you know, expresses your own ideas and doesn't necessarily derive from something else. But if you want to say, fuck all that noise, I'm making a fan game, just <laughs> shut the fuck up about it. Don't tell us it exists until it's out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> That's kind of all it was. That's and and then I, I kind of went through a history of every fan product that uh, I could think of from when it was announced to when it got shut down, and that list <laughs> never stops. It yeah. never stops, guys. Oh man, there was if there you, was one that came out recently. It was a uh, Mega Man Two fighting game. It was yeah. like a brawl style game. I found yeah. out about it the day it came out. I downloaded it the day it came out. And I'm like, look, I may or may not play this. But I know if I wait a week, I probably won't be able to get it. <laughs> it's 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 such it's such a repeated pattern, and it's just like I don't I, like you know I, I was just trying to explaining. I'm like guys, like I don't know if you're the people the person making the fan game has paid any attention to history <laughs> at all. But if you have, why would you tell us about the thing? You know, like if you're yeah. excited and you just want to share it with the world don't <laughs> like <laughs> literally don't just shut the fuck up you know it's 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 it's, it's yeah i mean obviously i was uh, you know joking with the tone and such but like it, it's really kind of goofy how you can watch one thing just continue to happen over and over to people that like they get together like some really ambitious projects like um there was a big one called uh, uh what was it it was um uh, I think it was like Red Dead Redemption 5. Oh. Right? Where it was basically just like uh, like RDR kind of done within the GTA 5 online infrastructure. Huh. And it was it was just crazy huge ambitious thing, you know, and you see these massive teams coordinated. Uh, I always talk about Bid for Power, this this Dragon Ball game made in the Unreal um, uh, or rather the Quake 3 Arena um, engine. Oh, man. And like all these incredible projects that just come together and then like what happens you get shut down for uh, after years of work why because you decided to tell everybody hey guys get excited for the thing you know and it's it's like oh man that's a lot of work you put in that you lost for nothing yeah you know? you know that's actually one of the bigger beefs that i have with creatives as a whole like i don't necessarily uh think of myself as a creative i um, but like as somebody who does like some sort of commentary on that, it's like, why, why, like, I understand you like a product, but why do you feel the need to associate yourself with somebody else's brand? Like right. you're, you're clearly talented enough to be able yep. to do things on your own. So why not just yep. do something for yourself? Right. Like that's, that's it. it, it it's, it's the person's intent that like. You can't really read or control, you know, and that's why I'm like, you know, like disclaimer in the beginning, it's better to do your own thing easily. And by far, it's almost always better to do your own thing you don't have to worry about any sort of legal, any problems whatsoever if you just do your own thing. But if you decide to ignore that, right. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that's why I'm, I'm glad when I hear news like about how, um, uh, uh, there was a uh, mother three or mother four sort of like uh, earthbound fan project that was being made that eventually like it became its own game because it was just so far beyond the scope of like, 
you know, what they originally intended. And they're just like, we don't even want to get in trouble in any way, shape or form with this being like a considered a Nintendo game. So we're just going to make it its own thing. Uh, Undertale is a game that came from, uh, 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 God, what was it? It was like an earthbound fan game that was then involved with Homestuck. And it just, you know what I mean? Like all these other brands and stuff were just involved with it to a degree where like Megalovania was used in like two other instances before this game. But, (laughs) you know, but it doesn't matter because the end result was you made a unique new game called Undertale and everyone loves it. And now it's a huge classic hit, you know? Or then you get things like them's fighting herds where it started as, you know, My Little Pony fighting his magic. And then they got a quick C&D from Hasbro because word got out. Yeah. And then uh, now it's its own game. And I haven't played it, but I hear it's actually pretty good. It's fantastic. And the creator of uh, My Little Pony actually helped design the characters for it. Right. Because she felt bad about like (laughs) getting getting (laughs) shut down. Totally. You know, like that's so that type of thing is always like. Yeah, like the, the end result sometimes can be like way better if you just go the original route. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it's it initially this this conversation popped up around like people doing Star Wars fan films and stuff. Oh, yeah. And like that's if you want to talk about like one property that's got a lot of like intensely talented people that just want to latch themselves onto it and granted yeah. it's like it's star wars it's that's one of the biggest things in the world and yeah. it's just so sad to see people like I don't know, just like even even writing their own original stories for it and like yeah. just using because they want to use lightsabers it's right God. exactly and <laughs> but it's like but I don't want to make my own thing I want to make the thing I like you know like yeah. it's a very basic sort of thought process but you know like it's it's a it's i think a lot of people though the 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 silver lining is that a lot of people that are really talented know and understand that part of things and eventually end up in a place where they're making their own right like i think they start out making fan work as a passion project because it's what they like and they know other people like and it's usually like the fandom they're surrounded by and things but they eventually do work their way towards originality. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, hell, uh, uh, what's the Fifty Shades of Grey? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was originally, what, Twilight fanfic? It was Twilight fanfiction, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, and that shit blew up. So, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you, you can see these things where, you know, like, they start one way and then they, they make it to another and God bless yeah. God bless Fifty Shades. Dude. <laughs> you done did it. You done did it. Ladies Man. and gentlemen, they done did it. Yeah. So if you if you could give any advice for like any content creators in like who may or may not be listening to this, like what what would you tell them? Like if they were- start in two thousand and seven. <laughs> <laughs> Build a time machine. Take it back. sorry i'm like sorry (laughs) start back then it's just chaotic now i i mean the the you know the the generic advice that i still believe in that i that i maintain to this day is that like if your thing is new and original and it hasn't been done before then you're creating a space that like no one else is filling and you have a much higher chance of you know people that like the thing you're doing showing up Um, so try to do that. Try to create, try to look at what is out there that you don't like and like do the thing that no one else is doing 
that you do like, you know, um, fill a need that, 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 that's currently a vacuum. Um, and also don't do it with the intent to make a, 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 a career slash think about how the money is going to work, um, f- at all, right. Do it for fun. And because you have the time and the passion, because the money and the money being decent doesn't happen for a very long time, no matter what the, the, the medium you choose is. So like, if you don't have the like sort of willpower to stick around while it's rough, when time goes by and you're not seeing the results that you're hoping for, you're going to likely quit faster than, you know, um, someone who like did make it back in the day through their like wherewithal. Yeah. Damn. Good ass advice right there. Shit, baby. I feel like just on that last point about the money, a lot of people seem to miss that that applies to anything creative. Like, if you're a painter, it's going to take a minute before you start selling some paintings, especially mm-hmm. like to make a living off of it. If you're an actor, if you're a voice actor, whatever it is, if it's a creative field, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be people want to do this. So you got to put yourself out there and it's going to be a while before that turns into anything lucrative, even remotely. Yeah. One of the things I mean, that. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say that, like, like uh, compared to the ridiculous amount of visible time that goes into, like, you know, being a writer or being a painter, like throwing a video up on YouTube or even a stream, it, it feels like it's a lot less effort um, because there's just so much that you don't know about when you initially go in. And uh, there are very likely genius streamers and YouTube people out there with channels that have two subs simply because despite the fact that they're hilarious and talented, they're not offering anything that people aren't already getting from someone else. Sure. And that's what it is, is like, if you want to replace somebody that's already out there offering the thing, then, you know, good luck. I guess you can try to show up and, you know, do that thing where you spam their comments and go, Hey, sub for sub. (laughs) <laughs> you know, or <laughs> like, you know, you could try that shit, but like, really, you probably would be better off trying to carve your own path on it. But, um, you know, and so that's why I'm like, I don't want to be like the nihilist, really say like, hey, man, start before 2007, because it's like, there's always a, pl- a place, there's always a thing that hasn't been, there's always, you know, uh, uh, like, like, there wouldn't be so many crazy, like, successful internet startups of different types of social media things if, if there weren't, right? There's always a place to go that someone else hasn't gone. But yeah. if you're trying to do the thing that already does exist, then yes, start in 2007. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if you want to be PewDiePie, be PewDiePie before PewDiePie was PewDiePie. If you, if you exactly, right? There was once upon a t- once upon a time, the, the, the question wasn't, hey, how do I become a, a YouTuber? The question was, how do I become a webcomic that's successful? Yeah. You know, like... And where did that, that, that's gone somewhat by the wayside. But at the time it was like, well, be there before Tycho and Gabe got there. Yeah. You know, like that's, that was pretty much it. Damn dog. One, one thing that I don't, oh God. And this is something that's come up before on the show before, uh, or as well. Uh, I don't think people appreciate the idea of working for free. Right. Because 
the idea is like, oh, I'm doing all of this for nothing. But what it actually is, is it's building a portfolio or a profile of everything that you've done in the past. So it may not pay dividends right now, but a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, when you've got like, let's say you're even running a blog, right? And you're doing a blog post a day and you've got fucking 1200 posts or 1300 posts lined up after four years of work like that will pay off for you at one point. And it's it's more difficult than saying, like, you sh- you need to get lucky. It's more so that if you're diligent about your goals, right, if you keep your head down and you keep working on whatever you're working on, eventually you'll get to where you want to be. But you also need to make sure that you continue learning and that you continue working. And that's, yes, that's how you become successful at basically everything. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, um, I think like year one of uh, me doing full time YouTube was actually year six of me doing YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts a lot into perspective. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta put in work before it starts being a thing. Like, and with other careers, it seems like that's a given. You know, like. You don't become an accountant until you've gone to school. You don't become an engineer until you've gone to grad school. You know, you have to put in six years just to even get the job. Well, Mm -hmm. of course, that's going to be the same way with creative work. You can't just roll in with just your natural talents and then instantly get paid. Unless you, of course, were already well connected within whatever scene and you just happen to know everybody. But that's not you. That's not most people. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to be like Jake or Logan Paul or whatever. As Do they? Say. Everybody everybody wants <laughs> to have the level of success that they see with, with Jake or Logan Paul, right? But, like, what they may or may not realize is that, like, that is – that's – a level of blind luck that a lot of people don't see, right? Like they, they were doing vine for a while. They got popular through vine. I want to say, and people really fucked with their stuff from vine, like really fucked mm-hmm. with it. And like, it doesn't hurt that they're two good looking chaps. And yeah. like they have a, maybe, I don't know. I don't really watch their stuff, but presumably they've got some level of charisma that attracts people to them. <laughs> so, it's it you have to have a lot of things going for you right like they didn't get popular for no reason they weren't just standing on a corner one day and somebody just put a camera on them and said talk about anything you want and talk about selling merch and they just got popular like that no it was work (laughs) work and work yeah no that was the guy from amistad who got that um (laughs) anyway (laughs) the the, the, you said luck before and like, you know, there's there's the saying, the old adage that like luck is what happens when preparedness meets opportunity. So um, and I think that's true in the sense that like, you know, putting in work and putting in the time, some of it is is all of it is, is, is getting you ready and getting you, you know, practice. But some of it is just like having the opportunity that's not going to present itself for a couple of years eventually show up. And then when it does, you've practiced long enough that you can capitalize on it and be like, yeah, I've been waiting for it. There it is. There's my shot. And you take yeah. it and you, you, you know, um, 
and, and like you never know when or how that's going to play out. So like, yeah, there's multiple reasons to grind. You know, if you're really passionate about it, and um, sometimes it goes nowhere. But the the you know the good side is that like if you're grinding for the and you're having fun doing it, then you know you're not going to be like too too discouraged uh, uh, by your dream not hitting its mark by the the deadline you put on your calendar you know good talking to you will woolly yeah right on appreciate your time man woolly darlington wolves oh uh, where can people hey find hey you we don't do that <laughs> we don't do that um i'm bad at this because i don't know but like you can like my name is pretty unique you can just google woolly and you'll find everything as w-o-o-l-i-e but like um i am on twitter as woolly wolves and uh i am on youtube at woolly versus and then my whole group the big the big boys were up there at super best friends play so oh yeah i have a podcast i should probably mention that (laughs) that's the super best friend cast as well so you know that's there yeah uh yeah cool all the links for that will be in the show notes for this today cheers appreciate it Yeah, yeah yeah thank you for coming on man no problem uh, it's been a pleasure we want to thank Wooly again for coming on we really appreciate him taking the time to speak with us we'll uh also if you're ever in the same location as me if we're, if we're ever in person I want my run back it's not going the same way you can't hide behind that Canadian internet next time <laughs> Ah. Oh, oh my god the excuses the excuses i got them on deck <laughs> <laughs> oh shit uh well anyway thanks again we'll um get into questions from the subreddit yeah reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours juice campbell asks do either of you guys have any experience playing the shin megami tensei series Ex- including persona I've recently been working my way through the old school games in the series, and they're quite engaging, but very challenging. Yeah, you know, I have not played a single Shin Megami Tensei game, and I know there's a lot, and I just haven't... You know, they started pretty obscure, and then by the time they got into the more mainstream, by, say, Persona 3... I just wasn't really interested. I, I'm down to play him. Like, Persona 5 looked cool. I just haven't. Ooh, no, I haven't. I did use uh, Shin Megami as an AKA once. <laughs> uh, there's a wrestler named Lord Tensai. <laughs> so I was a Shin Megami Tensai. <laughs> and if you saw Lord Tensai, you would understand why that's so fucking funny. Uh, Goddamn. All right. Uh, Mortotem asks, have either of you really been far even as decided to use even go want to do more, look more like? I respond in turn with, has anyone? That's, that's an old meme. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a party to these classic textual memes. That, that was an old 4chan. And uh, yeah, basically the that was the start of the thread, and then the whole thread was just utter confusion. Which hey, you know, that's the only proper response, really. Fair enough. 
Deskrod asks, hey guys, instead of saying what anime would work well as a movie, what movie or show would work well as an anime? Love the show. The Fuckons, Fukons, <laughs> Little Mikey. <laughs> yes. That would be pretty funny. Um, I think something like The Blacklist. It's an NBC show about yeah. spycraft shit. Yeah, yeah. I th- pretty I think, cool show. Yeah, I think that would work pretty well. I would fuck with... Um, there are a few sci-fi shows, actually, that I think would really make good anime. Uh, like The Expanse and... Oh, it was Dark Zone, I want to say. Dark Zone was a Canadian show. Dark Sector. I don't I, remember I what don't it was know. called, uh, but it, it got canceled, so I stopped watching it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, th- those might work really well, because one thing that anime does exceedingly well over most other mediums is sci-fi. Yeah. You really can't fuck with anime in regards to sci-fi. Like, you can get close. Stuff like Blade Runner. Sure. That's got its own aesthetic, uh, where at, le- at least a lot of anime was inspired by... Uh, Blade Runner, and if it wasn't directly inspired by Blade Runner, it ripped off of something that was ripping off yeah. Blade Runner. It's kind of like high fantasy, where like everything goes back to Lord of the Rings, and now you can make a new Lord of the Rings that's biting off of something that was inspired by Lord of the Rings. You know, it's it's kind of yeah. gone cyclical like that. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I would definitely say a lot of sci-fi shows would translate well into anime, like. I, you know, I've been trying to think of the name this whole time, and I could, altered carbon, <laughs> altered cabron. Yes, altered cabron. Yeah, that one is especially kind of it would work really well because you've got some of the quirky characters like the Edgar Allan Poe bot. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of unnecessary sex scenes. Yeah, yep, like clones and shit like that would really work well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah, sci-fi old action shows. Maybe like Green Hornet would be kind of cool yeah. as an anime. Yeah, that would be. Huh. It would be a hell of a lot better than the Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> <laughs> that one was a stinker. P.U. Oh, man, that was bad. My dad was so mad when he saw that because he hated Seth Rogen to begin with. Mm-hmm. He loved Green Hornet. And then that was a bad movie. <laughs> so like the trifecta of like this is pissing me off. The funniest thing is I used to intern at Sony when they were filming that movie. Yeah. And on the lot, they had like six or seven Black Beauties parked in the parking lot right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. It was so nuts. So some of the things you get to see like behind stages that you have to sign an NDA for, there's some some fun things you get to see. Yeah, yeah. But not going to talk about that because some of them NDAs are still active. Kokenin asks, Let's pretend you've got enough clout to get whoever you want as a guest on the show and that language barriers wouldn't be a thing. Who would each of you want on the show? That's a fucking good question. Yeah. I would I would love to talk to a handful of people. Uh, this one might be a surprise, but Anthony Bourdain. Ooh, would love to talk really to him. Interesting. Get yeah. him for Heavyweight Delicious, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get on the Patreon for that. Uh, uh, Junior Watanabe, he's a designer. He's a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, known for Comme des Garçons. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe 50 Cent, because I think that would be like a really funny, 
interview. That would be that would be hilarious. I would just I wouldn't even care about relevant stuff. I would only be asking him about Mayweather. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, maybe I mean like this one's not super far fetched, but like getting Jesus and Mara on the show. Yeah, would be they're, fun. To, they're my number one because like. Even though we could be asking like more prestigious people, like yeah, get Barack on the show, yeah, that would be cool. But these are the. I mean, I I don't feel like we wouldn't be able to get Barack to okay. say anything that's fun. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Like we could get him on the show, but it's like, like wow, how would, prestigious. He, he wouldn't say anything fun. Yeah, it would, I couldn't ask him like, yo, is Area Fifty One like for hiding aliens? And he wouldn't <laughs> be able to answer that question, man. Yeah, it would be worthless. But we, like. Maybe, maybe just get him real drunk and then just like, yo, so what's good with Donnie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jesus and Mero, I mean, for one, I think they would be hilarious as guests, but then it's also like, they're largely the reason why I wanted to do this in the first place. Okay. So okay. it would, it would be a, it would be a, a supreme honor to have them on the show for them to, to grace us with the, as illustrious guests. Yeah. Also, I'll shoot Jesus an email. There you go. Uh, he has his email listed on his Twitter profile. Oh, that's, that's sloppy Jesus. And we're coming in there. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people. Um, I think I would like to talk to Cristiano Ronaldo. Ooh, he's, I mean, like, it's fucking crazy, but he's the best soccer player in the world. He might be the greatest of all time. Yeah, quite possibly. Like, I would just want to talk to him. And he makes so much fucking money. <sighs> soccer players. When you get to the upper echelon of soccer, you're making dumb money. He makes... If I could... I, if if they would answer any of the questions that I asked, I would like to get like the president of FIFA on. Ooh. So I could ask them about like the egregious human rights violations. <laughs> there, there's the a lot of things choose. you can grill them over. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on like the type of interview that we're doing yeah. because like there are a lot of people that I would love to have on just to like make them answer burning questions. That I have. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't like, there's no point in having anybody on that's not going to answer questions. Right. Like for real. Yeah. Uh, Barack is a great example. Barack as if I fucking I know. Yeah. Yeah, first name basis. <laughs> hey, yo, Barry. <laughs> uh, former President Obama, having him on the show, like that, it would be interesting and it would be like a clout thing to do. Yeah. But he's not going to be able to say shit. That's right. going to be like, we can ask him questions. Uh, like pertaining to like real life stuff, but not the shit that I actually want to know. Right? Yeah. Like that area 51 shit is like a real fucking question that I have. Yeah. And like, I want to know how he could go about justifying continuous drone strikes in areas and shit. And he's not going to answer those questions. Nah. And he's, I mean, chances are he would take the latter as disrespect. Yeah, so, probably. So, <laughs> uh, um, there. Yeah. I mean, I guess the ultimate goal would be to get people on who will speak truthfully. Ultimately, yeah, it's people who will be open and candid with us, not necessarily give us like Hollywood ass Hollywood answers. Like, I don't want to I don't give a fuck about interviewing any actor or any I guess like anybody with something to lose. Right. Like, yeah, I feel that. 
Because then they're just going to give their canned answers. But that's why you kind of got to ask them things that other people don't ask. Like, if I if we brought on, say, like, Michael B. Jordan, I'm not going to ask him about Black Panther. I'm going to ask him about him. I'm going to ask him about anime. I'm going to ask him about travel and shit. Yeah, I mean, interview skills that I've picked up over time uh, are basically, like, you ask something super general, Mm-hmm. And then based on the answer that's given, you narrow down on the topic until you're satisfied with whatever answer that you get. Yeah. And then you just start the process again, whittling down questions and things like that. And it's that's kind of what made uh, talking to Destiny a little bit difficult. Because oh. <laughs> like I, I would ask general questions and he would say, that's a general question. Yeah. And it's just like, well... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah, dog. Like, that's... It is. <laughs> so... And then he'll just fire off into his own direction. And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, he knows exactly what he's saying. Oh, yeah. He's done and, this before. Yeah, he, he's done it often, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I that was actually a really good question. Yeah. No, it was a fantastic question. There's a... You know what? We could definitely dive more into that topic as well. Yeah, definitely. We'll save that for another time. If you're listening, Mike, as soon as you hear this, send me a DM on Twitter. I want to have you and Al back on for Virtual Pros Round 2. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Championship edition. Yes. Masters of Scientology asks, Have either of you ever run into a game you really wanted to play but just could never get good at? Oh, my God. Cuphead. Cuphead. (laughs) Dark Souls. And it's not that I can't get good at either of those games. It's just that it's such a huge fucking time investment. It's a tremendous amount of time to, like, give to gaming to get good at it. And, like, I don't game frequently enough to have the motor skills down to be able to just pick it up and go, essentially. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I'm... I mean, as we as we talked about with earlier with the skill floor, in a word, no. Like Dark Souls was a pain in the ass when I first picked it up, but you know, I was able to get past my first the first level. And this was no, this was even Demon Souls. This was before Dark Souls. So I could get past the first level after like an hour or something like that, which Yeah, that took a while, but you know. That was also my only experience with the game. You know, other other games that are difficult, like I I guess Darkstalkers, I never really got into, but I also never really had the drive to really get good at it. I'm sure if I played against some other random person who didn't have much experience with the game, I would probably win just on the back of I've played a million fighting games. I know how these things work, but Finding someone who actually knows the game? No. I would get my ass kicked. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I In another sense, like I've put a ton of time into Dota, but I'm not divine ranked. I'm not even legend ranked. So I'm not even that good at it. But I also don't play ranked. And when I solo ranked, I tend to win my games. So maybe I'm just uh, playing below my own skill bracket. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> 
Samurai Jack the Face Ripper asks, Hey Chet, have you ever messed with the Dragon Ball Super card game? I never knew it existed until today. I was at my local gaming store and they pulled out a huge hobby display for it. The store owner didn't know a ton about it, but the cards are pretty awesome looking. I imagine you dig the aesthetic. Yeah, so I had actually I'd heard of this game, but I I don't know anyone who's playing it. I don't know where I would play it. And I am not about to get invested in another card game. Especially if it's not going to be one that's lucrative. So, uh, I mean, the, yeah, the cards look cool and the game seems interesting, but yeah, nah, I, uh, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And today's last question comes from King D D D. It's like King D D D, but with Deets. I get it. All right. Hey, fellas. Day one listener here who came over from the Dick Show and ended up with RNH as the one podcast I load up every week ASAP. Great to hear perspectives about many different facets of nerd cultures and American life at large from two, ostensibly, normal dudes. I'm not big on anime and fighting games, so you two are clearly doing something right with the quality of your discussions. Oh, thank you. Much appreciated. My lady friend brought me out to see the newest Tyler Perry joint last weekend. <laughs> and movie quality be damned, every single person of a multicultured theater was interacting with the on-screen insanity. What are some of your most memorable movie-going experiences in terms of crowd response? Oh, boy. Uh, it was the movie Pulse. Ha. The one with Kristen Stewart yeah. from way back in the day about like the evil cell phones yeah. uh, that was based off of apparently like an Italian movie uh, that was much better or something. Ah, probably. So, so towards the middle of the film, everybody in the theater was pretty fed up. <laughs> this was the opening weekend and everybody like everybody was pissed because the movie was so bad and people were just making jokes and like the audience was laughing it was really it was actually a lot of fucking fun <laughs> and i don't imagine that that would have been fun in many other circumstances uh the the theater was like ooh maybe 3 quarters full mm-hmm. and most everybody stayed after like the jokes started flowing and like people people stopped giving a fuck about the movie all right it was really a good time. <laughs> uh, I got a couple. The first is not my own story, but it was entertaining enough that I'm retelling it for y'all. Uh, the movie The Last Dragon uh, came out, what, in the 80s, early 80s. And uh, it's, there's the, the villain, this guy named Show Enough. And when he first appears, <laughs> it, is he bad? Show enough. Is he cool? Show enough. And I forgot what the other ones. And I'm show enough. The Shogun of Harlem. Now my dad saw this movie in Harlem opening weekend, and when he dropped that line. The crowd got so hype off of that. They're screaming. They're throwing shit because it's like, oh, shit, this is the baddest motherfucker around. They were hollering so much that they had to roll the tape back a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's like people were screaming over the movie. So like, all right, run that back one more time. All right, let's watch this shit. 
Uh, and then most recently for me was Get Out because I was the only man of color in a very white town in Portland. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was the only person that was laughing at certain jokes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. All right. Y'all don't get it. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I would pay for that experience. It was fun. It was fun. And like I heard other people's experiences in like East L.A. were basically the opposite of that, where it was like everyone's black. Everyone's screaming out of these certain jokes and stuff like that. Uh, and then the, the other most memorable thing wasn't in a theater, but it was when we saw... How oh, fuck was it called? Psychano? Yeah, Psychano. We watched it at a convention, and it was like in one of the anime viewing rooms. And we were only in this room because it was like an actual room. It was a real small con, so it was like all at a resort. So they didn't have like dedicated screening rooms. It was basically like they rented a hotel room. <laughs> so this room had a kitchen. We're like. Yeah, we can make some drinks in the back. <laughs> so that's what we were there for. But we ended up watching it. But it was so bad that we just started talking shit about this show and like just dubbing over it. I mean, you could still read the subtitles and stuff, so it didn't completely ruin people's immersions. But uh, yeah, after about three episodes of doing this, no one could take the show seriously anymore. Like people <laughs> did sit down to actually watch this and then we just ruined it for them. But we had a great time. <laughs> and I, I like to think that at least half of them had a great time too. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. And that does it for questions this week. Thanks everybody for listening to this week's very long edition of Real Nerd Hours. We will catch you on the flip side. We also want to thank our guest, Wooly Wools, once again for coming on to the show. You can find him on social media at Wooly, with an I-E, W-O-O-L-I-E, W-O-O-L-Z, Wooly Wools, on Twitter. You can find his YouTube channel at Wooly Versus, again, with an I-E, um, Super Best Friends Play and Super Best Friends Cast. Yeah. It's it's all there. It's all there. Uh, you can follow our show on Twitter at XRealNerdHours. You can follow me on Twitter at ThatDenzel. You can follow Chet on Twitter at BushidoBrownSD. Excellent. You can join us on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash RealNerdHours. You can like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. And you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash realnerdhours. Yeah. And thank you once again, and we'll see you next Thursday. Y'all have a good day.